You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Just what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Um, this has been... We, we are coming to... I said that we were going to be done talking about prayer in November. And we're in November. And we're not done. We're going to carry prayer to the end of the year and we're going to start talking about worship in January when we come back. Um, but what we've been talking about leading up in this semester, and this is, I've seen why the Lord has put these lessons together the way He has because they have been building to what we've started talking about over the last few weeks, and that is prayer and fasting. Um, And understanding really last week and the week before, just understanding this question of why do we fast? Why are we supposed to fast? And we are supposed to do it. Jesus wouldn't mention it if it was not something of importance. That's the first thing we need to realize. Jesus didn't talk about that which was unimportant to the kingdom and for us. And he he was with the helper, and then he sent the helper. And everything that he did with the Spirit of God, we need to pay attention to because it is meant for us to participate in as well. He's perfect theology. But why do we fast? Because God and His presence, and this is really what He's taught me in my personal time of fasting, which has been, I had a conversation, we had Tiffany's in town. Um, uh, she was, Jay worked with Jay and Carrie and um, Redhead, you sit up front all the time. She's in town doing some work stuff and we had her and Carrie out for dinner last night and um, me and Carrie were just talking about this, and I'm just telling her, I don't know why I've gone so many years without fasting, because I did it one time, and it blew my mind. It's like, I don't know how I could ever not do this. How can this not be a regular part of my life anymore? It would be ridiculous for me not to, because the connection to the presence of God was so much different than anything I've ever experienced. Um, because God and His presence, why we fast, it's, it is not simply... It is not simply if you'll imagine with me a water station for marathon runners. They're running, there's just these water stations, people holding cups out for them to just grab as they run by, drink, throw to the side and keep going. We treat the presence of God like that. We treat the presence of God like this water station that I can just grab on the go while I'm doing my own thing. He'll intersect me for a second and I can just keep doing my own thing chug a little bit of His presence, toss it to the side, and keep going because it's all I need. It'll sustain me enough till the next station. That is not the presence of God. And how can we expect to understand the deep things of the Father's heart if that's how we treat His presence in our lives? But unfortunately, that's how we treat His presence in our life because we have our routines, we have the things that we're doing, we give Him a little bit of time, and then we keep going with our thing. And then when we get to the next time where it's appropriate for Him to have a little bit of a moment, Sundays, Wednesdays, things like that. We give them that little bit of a moment while we're still doing our own thing. Fasting interrupts that completely. There are deep places of the Father's heart, and what I've learned over the last three weeks is that He keeps these places guarded. He does not just put them out in the open, these deep places of His heart. But what He showed me during, during uh, last week in my preparation and just praying is what He showed me was 
his, his heart, the, his, the presence of God in the deep places of his heart, and deep revelation in these things that are only found in this place, like the Garden of Eden. And Randy taught us about having this place that we dwell, that is this garden where we dwell with the presence of God and uh, interact with the presence of God. But what the Lord showed me was that it is like trekking through a dense, dense forest. You've got to work, you've got to climb over branches, and you've got to duck, and you've got to crawl, and you've got to jump over creeks, and all these different things. It's work to get to where you're going, but if you're willing to work, you will come to this clearing where the presence of God is waiting. But it takes a little bit of effort. It is, it is important for us to understand that this life does not come without effort put into it. It is not by works that we are justified. But because of our faith, we produce works. And there is effort required in any relationship. I have no good relationships in my life that come without effort. And the same is it is with the Lord. It's the same with our relationship with God. There is effort required on our behalf, but we don't like that, unfortunately. And so we miss fasting. But He keeps these places in His heart guarded for only those who are willing to sit in His presence, for those who desire deep counsel with the Lord. And fasting allows us to arrive in this resting place of His presence and then stay there for a little while, uninterrupted by by things that are going on in our story because we're just taking a moment to stop and be in the presence of God. And fasting, it allows us to come face-to-face with the desires of the Father's heart for the desires uh, of His heart for us, the desires of His heart for those around us, the desires of His heart for the community. And it removes, at the same time, the complexities around those desires because we, we hear the Lord speak, we hear what He wants to do, we see His desires revealed to us, and then what do we do? We start adding Okay, how do we do this? How do I make this happen? What do, I, what do I add? We start adding steps. We start making this base desire incredibly complex because we start taking it upon ourselves to make it happen. And then what do we do? We begin to pray into those complexities instead of praying for the desire that He revealed. We pray for the turmoil and into turmoil. And, not, and, and in that place, we cannot partner with heaven and seeing the release of the desire that has been revealed to us. And fasting is like a cutting off of all those things. And it is a moment where the Lord can just represent to you the desires of His heart for this community. It has been so profound to me. just, And it's been overwhelming in, in my prayer time and, and conversations with the Lord. It's just the uh, how simple it is what He wants to do in Sundown, Texas. It is so simple. It's not crazy It's not a big 12-day event where we've got to have this and theatrics and all this. It's so He just wants the presence of God established. He wants people to know Him, period. So simple. And it is so, so, so simple. And He's revealed deeper and deeper things with that because there's no complexity to interrupt and hijack this train of thought that he's trying to lead me on and fasting provides that opportunity where I'm just in the presence of the Lord. I'm just in counsel with him and there's not anything outside able to penetrate this place with his presence. Um, And like we say and have understood recently that there is a measure of the presence of God in the valleys, just as there's a measure of the presence of God on the mountaintop. And there's a, there's a peace of God that we can only encounter in the valley. 
And so when you think about the hard days and the really, really hard moments and circumstances in our life, they are at the same time an incredible blessing because I can interact with the Lord and His presence in a way I will never be able to outside of this place. It's a remarkable thing. And you begin to understand how He can work things for our good, even the loss of loved ones and things like that. How can He work that for my good? Well, because I get to interact with a peace of God that I will never interact with again outside of this place. And that is incredible. And it is a peace of God that only I know. Because my circumstances, people lose people all the time, but the circumstances around them are always different because they're always different people. We don't lose the same person. My dad is Jacob. Your dad is not Jacob. You don't have the same memories. When I lose my father, it will be different than when those in here have lost their fathers. It's just different. Same title, right? Incredible different experience. And there's a measure of the presence of God that is only for me in that place. Unique to me that I can only encounter there. It's this beautiful, grand, and wonderful thing. And the Lord desires for us to understand that and interact with that and see that and at the same time as we understand and recognize that there are measures of the presence of God in the valleys and on the mountaintops, there is a measure of the presence of God that can only be interacted with when I am willing to deny self as He's instructed and trek through that forest to find the secret places of His heart. And fasting is that process. Trekking through to find the secret places, the deep places of His heart that He has not yet revealed to the masses. He only reveals to those that are willing to go look for it. And that is what fasting is. It, is. it is my journey to find new pieces of his heart that I've never seen. And it is his design for us to do so. Um, it removes, again, the complexities of life and allows us to come face to face with the desire that he has for this community. And then again, just pray into those things. And it's It's an amazing thing, and everything that I've described to you, what of that sounds horrible and just like a miserable time? There's not a bit of it that sounds miserable. There's not a bit of it that doesn't make us, it makes myself, I'm speaking for you and I hope it's true, but it makes me excited about the possibilities of what I could find and what He would reveal that can only be revealed in those places. I get so excited. So why do we as Christians who are made for this, As Jesus says, Jesus wouldn't have done it if it wasn't important for us to do as well. Jesus is perfect theology. Why would he waste his time? He knew. He knew. Both God and man. He only had, he was on borrowed time. He only had a certain amount of time before he was going to be dead. So he had to be a steward of that time. And what was the very first thing he did after receiving the Holy Spirit was fast. The very first thing thing he did before any ministry began he fasted and prayed that is profound but we have for a long time just we speed read over that part and we as a church it's it's really beautiful when you think about the process of us as a church just in my time here I've only been here going on eight years Um, but just in my time I can see the shifts of our focus from all of heaven being made open and the public adoption of Jesus in that moment. Or first, the obedience that led him there. The opening of heaven and public adoption. 
and then the receiving of the Holy Spirit. There are times, specific times that I can remember and articulate where Randy taught about those specific aspects of that one moment. And now we find ourselves speaking of what happens next. The Lord has just naturally run us through this, this train of thought and events that happened at this moment of baptism. And He's gradually led us through all that, that we would have deep understanding of each aspect of that moment. And now we've come to this place of beginning to understand why He fasted before He began any ministry, before He recruited disciples, before He began to teach, before He began to be a vessel for the miraculous to flow. He fasted and He prayed. Profound. Amazing. But again, why do we as Christians who are made for this not do it? Well, the first thing is because it's inconvenient, and the second thing is because it's uncomfortable. But why do we believe this to be inconvenient? Colossians 1.16 says, I've got a lot of scripture, so I'm just going to read it uh, quickly as we go, but uh, verse 16, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether uh, thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. We know this. We've read this often. I love this scripture. All things were made for Him and through Him. If you have any justification to judge anyone, that totally just blows it up in your face right there. All things. Even the people you don't agree with. All things, including them. It's a beautiful, beautiful passage. I wish more Christians were willing to accept and read. That's a beautiful thing, but we are included in the all things. We were made for Him. And then what do we see in Matthew 4? Again, we just talked about it. We see Jesus begin His fast. He's tempted. He has all these moments of deep, profound revelation. I, I, I was talking about this with, with Carrie last night, of how the enemy took Him to the top of the world and showed Him all of its kingdoms. Just think about that moment for a second. That is a profound moment. That, that's insanity to think of what that moment would be like for Jesus. And then to quote scripture back in that moment as he sits above all of these kingdoms. Just a, a profound and an amazing moment. And it just adds to fasting. Fasting again. It gets, I know that was a temptation of the enemy, but it brings you into a place in the spiritual realm where you can see things otherwise you would not be able to see. Um, and it's profound and it's amazing, but we see that. So we see Jesus fast. It's the first thing that he did after, after the obedience of baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. The first thing he did was fast. And so if Jesus is perfect theology, like we've already mentioned, and he fasted, and he is, I don't know what that word is. I wrote it too fast. But we are, he, Jesus is a reflection of the life that we're meant to live. He's perfect theology. He lived a life that we were meant to live. And we are also recognizing that if, if that's true, if Jesus is perfect theology and he lived a life that it was meant for us, and then the Lord says that all things are made for him and through him, and we see the model of Jesus, then we can take what he did and apply it and recognize that this is for me to do as well. Just plain and simple, very, very simple thought. We know this. But we are all that to say that we are made for the things of God. 
I don't think anybody disagrees with that. We are made for him, and Jesus put that on display. We're made for him, and Jesus fasted. And so, coming back to this question in a very roundabout and confusing way, how can it be inconvenient to participate in that which you were created to participate in? That would be like saying it's inconvenient to breathe. What? No. It's organic to breathe because you're made to breathe. You're meant to breathe. It's not inconvenient to pray. It should not be inconvenient to worship. But we, we have so many things that are of God and are tools that the Lord has given for us to participate and be able to engage deeply in the presence of God and establish the kingdom of heaven in our midst. These tools that He's equipped us with. And so many of those things we have titled and thrown into this folder of inconvenience. So much of the church in the Western world is modeled around that which is convenient for people. But tell me, what is more convenient than participating in that which you were created to participate in? It's, a, it's going back to our original discussion at the very beginning. Who defined these things to us? Who taught us this word inconvenience? Because it doesn't exist in, in the heart of God. We, we have allowed the world to say this is inconvenient, this is inconvenient, this is inconvenient. And we've applied that to ourselves and we've applied it to our, our Savior. That to participate in that which I am made for is inconvenient. And that cannot be true. That's so far from the truth because again, it's not inconvenient to breathe and you are made for the things of God and that includes fasting. That includes prayer. That includes worship. It drives me nuts, but I used to have this conversation when I was a kid and I would make my parents incredibly uncomfortable when people would just say, uh, you know, I, just, I, like, I like just getting there for the word. I don't, that's why I show up late. I don't want to listen to the worship. What? You are choosing to not participate in that which you are created to participate in. And those same people will say, well, what do we do in heaven? We're going to praise the Lord's name. Well, why are you waiting until you get to heaven to do it? That's a question that's coming in, in the main service. Why are you waiting until we get to heaven to praise Him in freedom? Why are you not doing it now? Right? It's the same thing. Why are we waiting to participate in the things of God until we're in His presence? That's not the design. Otherwise, there's no need for this life on earth to just be saved and then die. Go to heaven. But we know that there's a process in between that. From the moment of salvation to the moment my physical body is no more, there is salvation each and every day for me to choose and participate and partake in. That I could be interacting with and be a part of this ever-increasing glory in this relationship with the Father. I can't be ever-increasing if it's just one and done. That's not how that works. There's a process in which we partake, partake in to where it is ever increasing. How can, you ever, how can you grow in depth with any person if you don't spend time with that person interacting and conversating around the deep things? The deep things with God are not found in our quick passing by. They are only found when we seek them out. And it's, it's a profound thing. But again, how can it be inconvenient? Are we not made to do these things and participate in these things. Well, and then the other justification 
that we use, that I've used, that we say it's inconvenient because it's uncomfortable. And the Lord has, the Lord has corrected me heavily in this over the last couple of weeks. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The God of all comfort. And then in Matthew 11, Oh, 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is the God of comfort who says in his presence is the place we find rest. In his presence is where we are comforted, and in his presence is where we find our rest. So to choose him, and, and it says, if you look at this, it, it says this. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what is that implying? That that which is not of him is not easy and is not light. Because you are not made for that. But that which he seeks to give and asks us to carry is easy to carry. And it is light. It will not weigh us down. How many of us get consumed by the world and its circumstances and become heavy laden? Where in the scripture does it say, I know that what I ask you to do will make you heavy laden? No, it says, come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That, that is simply implying that he is not the one that brings the heaviness. That which is not of him is heavy. And we're not meant to carry it. We're meant to carry that which is light and that which is easy, and that is the presence of God. To choose Him is easier than not to choose Him. The life that you'll live. It's not always easy to choose Him, but that goes back to this word uncomfortable. So who says it's uncomfortable? We are made for the God of comfort. But we have allowed the world to define us the things of God. Define to us the things of God, and allowed the world to define His nature. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as so as to instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. This natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. The world is full of natural men and women. Those that do not have the presence of God in them, those that have not received Jesus as Lord and Savior, the world is full of them. Full of them. But we are the sons and daughters of God, and we, the sons and daughters of God, have allowed those who do not walk with the Spirit to define the things of the Spirit. For so long, we have allowed those who have rejected Jesus to define Jesus for us. Why? He's the God of comfort. So who told you that fasting is uncomfortable? 
He didn't. He did not. It's what you're made for. The feeding of the Spirit before the feeding of the flesh. Putting the Spirit's health before you put your flesh's health. The Spirit that is within us is to be fed and is to reign supreme in our bodies. Our bodies are are not meant to be dictating that which the Spirit can and cannot do. And fasting keeps that order in its correct place. It feeds the Spirit denying the self, denying the flesh. Recognizing that my hope is not built on my next meal, my hope is built on Jesus Christ, period. Period. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights. I don't believe he cold turkey just did that. Some people say that, and they, they say it from an honest place of just the magnitude and the glory of Jesus, but I think that takes away from what he was trying to emphasize if you don't recognize that he probably fasted most of his life. He knew the scriptures. He was a spiritual person before he received the Spirit of God. He was, he was well-versed in the Word of God. He was what he... Mary and Joseph lost him as they're paying taxes. And where do they find him? On the temple steps, educating Pharisees, teaching them Scripture. And they're just like, who is this kid? And he was a kid. So I don't believe that he just fasted then. I believe he lived a life of it. I think that's important for us to, to give him that credit. That even without the Spirit, he was obedient to the Lord. He was showing people a lot of things that were possible. And there's testimony in that. It's a beautiful and a powerful thing. But we have, again, we've allowed that those that do not walk with the Spirit to define the things of the Spirit. We are in the world, but we are not of it. So their definitions cannot be our own, especially when it comes to that which they do not walk in. So much of why the power of prayer has been reduced to nothing is because we have received the definitions of God that hasn't come from God. Which, which leads to our refusing to engage with the heart of God as He desires. Um, I remember having this conversation with my father in our kitchen, and he doesn't believe this anymore. Um, but I remember this when I was, I was a baby Christian. Um, and just talking to him about, how the Lord speaks and I'm learning to hear his voice and how he still works miracles. And he just said, no, he doesn't. That ended in acts. I'm like, all right, where does it say that he stopped? And where does it say that he changed? And there is no answer. I've had this conversation multiple times. I don't believe the Lord speaks anymore. Why? Well, I think he said all he needed to say. You do? So you don't believe there's an answer for transgender, homosexuality, COVID, pandemic? You don't believe there's any revelation to guide his people through these things? Well, well, I, I, I think that it's all in the Word. It's like the Word of God. It's like, well, let's talk about John 15. My Word abides in you and you abide in my word. Ask whatever you wish. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What does that word mean? Rhema. Spoken word of God. 
present tense, not past. It is a present tense speaking, actively speaking word of God. So when did he change? They have no answer. It's like, who taught you that? Because somebody who held one of these taught you that. And you believed him. Why? And so much of the church has been built up upon teachings of those that did not know what this word said. They interpreted the way it was most convenient and opportune for them. And we have built an empire of Christianity upon the sand, not a solid foundation in the Western world because we've refused the things of God. And we've refused to participate in the things of God and we've allowed the world to define it for us. Randy would talk about this often. (coughs) Different denominations. That's worldly. Mission statements. That's a business model. Why is that seen in church? Financial pastors. Churches have CEOs. I went to a church for a long time that had a CEO and a CFO. Not pastors. Businessmen. When did the presence of God come down to spreadsheets dictating what He can and cannot do and who He will and will not use? But we've applied the things of the world to our lives instead of influencing them. I used to say this to my youth kids all the time. Who is influencing who? When you go into an environment, when you go to a party, when you go there, does the atmosphere shift or does the atmosphere shift you? We have allowed the atmosphere to shift us for too long. And it's time for us to get back to the roots of things. And one of those is prayer and fasting. Because it connects us to the heart of God and keeps us plugged in in a deep and powerful way. We've said this before, and it's a great example. But what army does not spend deep counsel, spend time in deep counsel with their king? There's not one in history. And if that's world history, why would we think that, ah, I don't need to spend time with God. It's just going to happen. He's just going to tell me when I need to know. All I've got to do is do whatever I want. And he'll come when it's convenient for me for him to come. That's been our model in engaging with the presence of God, and it cannot be any longer. We must be willing to allow Him to teach us the things that have existed in our stories for a long time. We've, fasting is not a foreign word. I'm not sh- telling anybody that word for the first time in this room. We've all read it. We know the Scriptures. We've seen it. We understand it. But we have not applied it because we've allowed the world to define it. And that cannot be. I'm telling you right now, of testimony. I shared testimony last week, but I woke up on the day I was. I had said, I'm, "This is the day that I'll fast," because that was the challenge from two weeks ago. To pick a day and just fast half a day. It's like this is the day I'm doing it, and I sat there and I argued with myself while I was brushing my teeth first thing in the morning. Like I'm about to, f- just oh, it's about to be no fun. I'm going to be hungry. I'm going to get tired. It's going to be inconvenient. And the Lord's like, seriously? It's like, man, that, was, that happened fast. It's like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to file this into the folder of inconvenient like I have a 
thousand times before. I don't know how many times I said, I'm waking up and I'm fasting tomorrow. And I didn't do it. Because it's just, man, well, I got to do this today. And then I don't want to do it when I'm hungry. And so I just wouldn't do it. And I'm telling you, the second I said, no, I am doing this, period. Revelation happened like that. Because it's not so much about the journey. It's about the willingness to participate in the journey. When I'm just simply willing and I just decide within myself, no, I want the deeper things of God, period. I don't care what it costs. I want to know Him more. And I want to do this because He said it's important and I want to trust Him in it. The second that shift was made in my heart, He began deep. I could not keep up. I had to pull over on the side of the road four times to write down things that he was speaking because I was so terrified I was going to forget them. And it's just like, I can't forget this. I'm talking about sermons upon sermons upon sermons, things that I'm like, Lord, I have to share this. I have to share this. Oh my gosh, I have to share this. Like, this is insane. Because I was willing to participate in the process. And I, it's not like I woke up at six, I ate at one. Not a long time. Not a long time without food. But my heart was willing. And transformation happened immediately. And I'm telling you, in that time, there were things that fell off of me that I've carried for years. I didn't even know I carried them. Pressure that fell off. Revelation that, fell, that just fell into place. And it's like, oh, wonderful. Thinking about how do we... How do we do these things? How do we speak these things? How do we establish these things in our community that the Lord has said, what am I supposed to be doing? And just totally cut all of those things off. Just obedience to the revelation that I've shown you. And it also allows for further revelation, adding to the puzzle, add, adding a piece to it that I've not been able to receive yet because I've not been quiet enough for long enough for Him to be able to even speak it and get it out. And one of those things that was profound for me, and I, I, I believe I have permission to share it in here. But the Lord coming face to face with this desire again, this foundational desire that He just desires the Spirit of God to reign in this city. And He said, I have no interest in filling one building. I want to dwell in them all. And blew my mind. Because I'm like, okay, it doesn't matter how many people are in here because that's not the focus. The focus is that the presence of God would be in every building that is in this community. Every structure would house the presence of God, not just one of them. And I was like, that, yes and amen. Heck yeah. I do not want the one place the presence of God exists in this city to be in this building. I'd, I'd rather tear it down so that His presence could be free if that were the case but he desires to fill them all. And so now you look at a Sunday and you're, you're not discouraged. We, we don't have to be discouraged because he's not in the business of just filling one building. I believe this building will be full because people flock, will flock to where the community engages with the presence of God as a community in a, in, a, in a routine of worship, in a pattern of worship, in engagement and fellowship. But he desires to dwell in every single one of them. So he is building that vision very differently. And it's not through numbers in here. It's through things out there. Things that we're doing out there that are just 
He's just bringing things and lining things up that we could have never hoped or dreamed for. He's just setting them up because he has no business in filling one building. He wants, to, he wants them all. Right? And it's not been our prayer that this city would look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country. That can't happen if just one building has the presence. They all have got to have it. Right? And what do we do every time we come in here? We come, and then what happens? We leave into other places. Every time we go into the store, it's like gold being painted on your feet. And those, those feet print, the footprints on the carpet, the presence of God dwells in them. And you leave it there. Every step you take, the presence of God is there until the whole place is covered because you've walked every square inch of it. And the presence of God is now in a Lowe's supermarket subway and a crispy chicken. <laughs> but that's, that's the desire. That every house, every building, every oil field company, everything that exists in this city would house the presence of God. That every building in this community would be a temple for the presence of God and the engaging in worship and the engaging in the kingdom. That came from seven hours of fasting. Like, whoa. I was talking to Carrie about this and sharing this with her because it's just, all people have to do is start talking about, just don't even talk about Jesus. Just slightly crack open the door and I'm going to punch through it because he's just like, I'm pumped right now. It's, It's crazy what he's doing. And she was talking, she's like, yeah, the last time I fasted, he told me my identity. And you just see her just, why have I not done that since? She's like, it's cr- why have I not done that? Because the last time I did it, it changed my life. And I'm like, I know. I'm, tell- I'm, just, I'm talking about the same thing because I did it for a little while and it changed my life. Changed my life. There were spirits of, of greed and pride that I was carrying that I didn't realize I'd carried, but I have carried them my entire life. I didn't know they were there. You get really used to seeing something when you look in the mirror, when you see it every day. And just all these things that he was, he's just totally reset my heart on so many things. Totally, and this, like the spirit of greed, it's not like a typical, what you think, like I want to be a billionaire. Um, It's the, It's the thing that most men can relate to. When you find a need that you can't immediately meet, what do you immediately want to do? I've got to go work harder. I've got to go find more work. I've got to make more money. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And we get caught in this rat race, and we miss the things that the Lord truly desires for us to see. And he just said, he said to me, um, and I know all of us can relate to this, he said, if I never give you more than you need, will that be enough? And then I just looked around at my life and I'm like, if this is all I need, I'm doing pretty good. Like He has blessed me beyond. I was thinking about it. It's like my wife is beyond anything I ever dreamed of. My children, my home, my job, my family, everything about my life is beyond anything I've ever could have imagined for myself. And he says, that's just what you need to get by. I'm like, then you just keep giving me the bare minimum because I'm good with it. I love it. I don't have to strive for that stuff. 
It's in a it's it's silly, but it's in a country song. Mouths are bills are paid, mouths are fed. Got a good woman laying next to me. I'm I'm pretty good with just getting by. If that's just getting by, I'm happy. But the Lord had to reset that in me. I I had to stop. I had to stop taking ownership of the things that I can't do right away. And that's okay. Because the Lord doesn't need them to be done right away. Um and it, it was, it's beautiful. And, and pride and measuring myself based on, and it's, an, it's a, a slippery slope all the time. Because the, when there are more people here, it's very easy to be very excited. When there are less people here, it's very easy to find discouragement. And to add that to yourself. Well, it's a reflection of me. There's like, nope, that ain't it. It's not yours to own. You don't get that. I paid a price for that. You don't get to wear it. I bought it. It's mine. Like, I don't get that. I don't get to have this pride or lack of it because of numbers or the conversation I have with someone or don't have with someone or an encouragement they offer or don't offer when I wish they would have offered something. I just, no, it's gone. And the Lord removed that. All because, guys, all because of a few hours of engaging with the deep things of God and just the willingness to do so. That's why we fast. Because there is encouragement. There is revelation. There is endurance. There is refreshing. There is rest. And you should know that there is rest in that place because where does the world say you get rest? The world says you get rest when you, you, know, you stop, you eat, you, re, you replenish. You, that, that's good for your body. And, slow. and the kingdom says, no, just spend time in the presence of God. Food, water, whatever. Just His presence. And you will find rest. Just operating in the things that He shows you. Walking in obedience to what He's revealed to you. And you will find rest. It's different. The kingdom, you keep going. In the world, you've got to stop. That's not how it works with Him. And what they said you need for survival, he says, actually, you don't need that at all. You just need my presence. And it is profound. And that's, that's why we fast. Because there are great and powerful and wonderful things. And it has totally transformed my prayer life. Praying in power. Because what is prayer but relationship? It is a reflection of our relationship with God. And if I'm in a deeper place with God, then I'm in a deeper place in prayer. Because that's tied to my relationship. That's why fasting and prayer are always linked. So that is my encouragement, and that is why we fast. Um, it, is, it is profound, and that's kind of laying the groundwork for where we'll go next week uh, of recognizing this, uh, just as a little bit of a spoiler for next week. Because when we begin to fast regularly and often, and the Lord clears the things up with us that He needs to clear up, where do we get to turn to next? We get to receive deep and powerful and profound revelation for the people around us. And we get to deposit that in their stories. And that's what we'll begin to talk about next week. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.